Hi, this is Beth AQ, and this is the podcast of The Glass House, a weekly radio show that airs on Triple R each Wednesday. The Glass House is a space for spoken word artists, poets, sound makers, audio storytellers, emerging cultural leaders, thinkers, writers, and anyone who celebrates story as a means of self-expression, self-representation, and community building. I hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch via Twitter at BethanyAQ or the Triple R website. Hello and good afternoon. My name is Jackie B, bringing you the summer edition of The Glass House, while Beth AQ takes a well-deserved break over December. Beth will be back on the airwaves in 2022. I would first like to acknowledge that I am broadcasting from the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I pay my respect to Elders past and present. This land always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Today on the show, I have two exciting interviews lined up for you. I'll be speaking with Daniel Jux, Westerly's Associate Editor and Managing Editor for the online special issue. We'll be chatting about the latest Westerly issues, Westerly 66.2, and their 10th online special issue, Westerly Great Southern. A little later in the show, I'll be speaking with Shazwani S. from Hoppers Crossing Secondary College. Shazwani is the winner of Poem Forest's Lower Secondary Year 7 to 9 prize. My name is Jackie B., filling in for Beth AQ on this summer edition of The Glass House. Westerly is one of Australia's leading literary journals. Based at the University of Western Australia, Westerly has published fiction, poetry and essays with a particular focus on Australia, Western Australia and Asia. Westerly 66.2 has just been released in print and digital format and is a general issue featuring a range of writers. In addition, Westerly have just put out their 10th online special issue, Westerly Great Southern. And to talk me through these two fantastic issues, I'm joined on the phone by Associate Editor and Managing Editor for the online special issue, Daniel Jux. Thank you so much for joining me on the phone today. It's a pleasure, Jackie. Thanks for having us. So to start with, I'm really interested in demystifying the pathways into editing roles, and I was wondering if you could briefly explain to us your relationship with Westerly and how you became the associate editor and managing editor for the online special issue. Certainly. Um, my oh, Well, I'm not sure I can help much with demystifying. That's the true answer to that question, <laughs> as it's a little bit mystifying sometimes how I did end up in, in those two roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think... The important thing for me was um, finding ways to contribute to the community before um, ending up in any kind of official role. I spent a lot of time building experience, um, working with friends and peers and colleagues on on projects uh, before gradually getting a look in at Westerly. Um, I was uh, firmly on the admin desk for a Mm -hmm. year before moving into the editorial role, which... Um, as our general editor, Catherine Noski says, is probably the uh, the right way to build experience at a at a litmag. I think you you learn how the production schedule works, how the um, magazine itself is put together, uh, the kind of ways we interact with authors, um, and it's a really important bedding ground. But but I think for me the the experience I gained in those uh, 
less official roles. So I did a PhD and I, I spent a lot of time um, doing research assistant work, um, editing special issues of journals, um, and editing friends' theses more than anything. And it was mm. that kind of uh, potted history which allowed me to get the experience required to work at a place like Westley. Mm. Thank you for sharing your sort of um, tapestry of experience there. Um, Westerly has been in operation since 1956. I was wondering if you could shed light on Westerly's place in the Australian literary journal landscape and whether you think its place within the landscape has changed over time. Mm. That's a really good question. Um, and one I think we actually considered a bit. Uh, so just for context, I'm speaking to you from Denmark in the southwest of WA. Mm. And I was here with uh, Catherine Noski um, this weekend for the Quora Book Writers' Festival, uh, which was the first time it's happened here in Denmark. And it was a really wonderful occasion to sort of celebrate the WA writing ecology. Um, what I learned, I think, was a bit more about the role Westerly plays. So I guess we are situated fairly firmly geographically within Western Australia, obviously, but mm. within that, within Perth, um, and I, I don't think I considered as much the role that a lit mag can play out in the regions um, as uh, until coming down here and being able to interact with the writers that we published both in print and in the online special issue. Um, I'm really proud of the long history that Westerly has. I think we all are. I think we should be. It's continually published since 1956. That makes it, I, I think, the third oldest lit journal in the country. Mm. Um, but over the last uh, five, six years, I'd say, um, in, under Catherine's tenure as general editor, we've really tried to make Westerly more representative of the writing community as a whole. I think that's been an important shift, and I'm pleased and proud to be on board in the magazine as that shift has, has taken place. Uh, it's probably not a secret that for much of its history, Westerly was, um, while still being an important uh, an important voice for WA writers speaking to the nation, um, there was very often uh, a subset of WA writers speaking for Western Australia. Mm. And I hope that our place now is, is more about being able to represent uh, as many of the different kinds of voices that... that uh, make up our state uh, as we possibly can and of course have those voices in, com in conversation with writers, artists, poets um, from across Australia and internationally. Mm. Um, and I've had the opportunity to read the latest two issues of Westerly and that sort of definitely comes through the sort of the range of diverse writers and artists that are featured in both issues and the way that they all sort of speak to each other is fantastic. Um, and just to sort of look specifically now at Westerly 66.2, it's now available to purchase digitally and in print format. And while it is a general issue, the theme of change ties the pieces of 66.2 together. Was change a theme that you were looking out for when putting this issue together? Or was it something that you and the editing team sort of noticed when reading through the submissions? That's probably, for me, the most interesting question about editing in general, and I hope that's not too broad a platitude. Um, 
the way that themes emerge has been something that I've uh, observed with interest over the short sort of period of time I've been working with the Westerly team. Uh, this time around, I, I think it was a matter of, um, to give a background to our sort of submissions process as well, we have mm. uh, we have a couple of stages. Um, so the, 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 the bulk of submissions uh, are, well, they're all blinded and then sent out to some external editors. So for prose, we have Susan Medalia, who's a West Australian uh, author. And for poetry, we have Paul Munden, who's a, a poet um, based in Canberra for a little while, but uh, predominantly in the UK. Um, and so they'll do the bulk of the reading for us that's first blinded, and they'll, they'll make selections from there, from which the editorial team will, will try and curate and find uh, some sort of theme or um, pulse that gives the issue its flavour. And, and that for us was where these these ideas of change and then and then that kind of subset of change, cultivation and growth, uh, were really coming to the fore. Um, so it's a combination of efforts, really, which I think um, is more remarkable that, that then themes do develop. So when you sense this this issue cohering around. Uh, attention to our particular moment, attention to the demands of well, just these past couple of years which have been um, more difficult than they might have been. Mm. Um, it, it, it's been a pleasure to see that to see that happen and I would say that we see it happen rather than that it's something we look for. Mm. Uh, that tends to be the way of it with the general issues that for whatever reason, out of the hundreds of submissions we get, and we do get hundreds of submissions, sometimes close to a thousand, um, that it, it eventually um, there is something coherent uh, and there is something curatable. And that's a kind of, I don't know, it, it's mystical a lot of the time. I couldn't explain to you how it happens, but it does. Um, and, and we find paths through all these, these uh, humongous uh, piles of material. Yeah. Um, so if you've just tuned in, I have been chatting to Westerly's Associate Editor and Managing Editor for the online special issue, Daniel Dukes. So the special online issue is available via the Westerly website free of charge and the contributions to this issue relate to the overarching theme of the Great Southern. So I was wondering if you could explain to our listeners um, what is meant by the Great Southern and why it was chosen for the overarching theme of this issue. Uh, well, I, I think um, the issue itself is, is, is a good example, I hope, of what might be meant by the Great Southern. Tracy Ryan, who guest edited the issue for us, my role was sort of administrative on this one, mm. uh, describes the issue as, as a snapshot, more than anything else, of a vast geographical area, um, something like 39,000 square kilometres, uh, which makes up the bulk of the bottom of Western Australia. Um, the the area itself is massively diverse, so plenty of coastline, um, desert, forest, uh, the urban areas, um, small regional towns, and trying to find a language that can help describe all that is really blooming difficult. Mm. Um, so I think that's why snapshot is the right way to describe it. And uh, the fact that it can't be comprehensive is, I hope, a, a hope gives readers a, an inclination to examine more of what uh, regional Western Australian writing might offer. Mm. Um, this, the second part of that question, Jackie, what, what, what have I missed? <laughs> there was something on the end of that. Um, 
Um, no, I think you about... explained it quite well, sort of that overarching theme of the issue um, and sort of, uh, yeah, why was it sort of chosen was the second half of my question. Yeah, oh, that's right. Um, one of the things I think we are firmly aware of at Westerly is the need to be more than just a voice for um, Perth and the urban areas of Western Australia. And so we're hoping that this kind of special issue, reaching out to the regions, is something that we can continue to do more of. Um, it was the, the, the impetus for this issue came about by a, by a collaboration with Denmark Arts, run by Vivian Robertson here in the Southwest. And we were really grateful to Vivian for reaching out to us and, and asking about this collaboration. And we, we hope that it's going to spark more kinds of um, regional special issues, speaking to different parts of, uh, of the state and um, publishing similar kind of snapshots or, or, or momentary visions of what people are thinking about and writing about in areas which are vastly different and just plain vast, to be honest. Mm. Um, so just turning now to the structure of the two issues, I really enjoyed the way that uh, you've sort of structured both Westerly 66.2 and the online special issue and the way that sort of the poetry, short stories, reviews, essays and artwork are sort of weaved together throughout the issues. Can you explain to us why the issues have been structured in this way? Uh, I can, yes, but I might do so via analogy, if that's okay. Mm, yeah. um, because I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure that there's a there's an exact science to it. I think what we're hoping to do is create conversations um, between between pieces, between writers and artists, between emerging writers, between established. Uh, and if we can find ways that that certain works uh, bump into each other, then I think that's useful. Uh, the, the analogy that I wanted to draw uh, is, and it won't take me a minute, don't worry. Um, I, 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 I had the pleasure to go to the South Australian Gallery recently. I was in Adelaide briefly for a conference, and I was really struck by the, the way that that gallery was structured, in that, yes, there were sort of thematic rooms, you know, you could walk through the European area or the Australian area, but uh, within those areas... New art, old art, um, established artists, emerging artists were all sort of put into conversation, and I think that's a real uh, that's a real uh, priority for us. So if you look at sixty six point two, for instance, um, right at the very off, we have uh, writing from poets like Declan Fry and Renee Petitship, but coupled with uh, an emerging writer like Riley Folds, um, in the hope that our readers find paths to new voices as well as feel comfortable with voices who they might perhaps have known or heard of. Mm. Yeah, I love that sort of that way that the... Uh, it was something that definitely came through as I was reading the issues, that the way that the, the pieces and also the writers and the artists themselves were sort of speaking to each other in this issue. And I love that um, very visual analogy that you draw on there with the art gallery um, it's almost time for me to let you go, but before I do, I just wanted to ask you about uh, submitting to the journal and submissions to the journal are now uh, closed and we will reopen in 2022. Do you have any tips or suggestions for listeners who are looking to submit to the next issue? 
certainly. And we, I should just say, we, we welcome all submissions um, and we're really grateful to people for trusting us with their words. So if you're a, a writer wondering whether or not you might want to submit, please do. Uh, I, I think the, the sort of most important things, I guess, are to make sure the piece is as ready as it can be, to have tested it and tried it. Mm. Um, share it with friends and family and I think as well to familiarise yourself a little bit with the kind of things that Westerly publishes so if you uh, want to access the content for free you can find our online special issues they're all on the website and downloadable and and indicative I think of the kind of writing we favour but you can also find uh, I think the back issues uh, more up to well Three years, uh, you still have to pay for them. But before three years, you can access all the back issue uh, back issues for free on our website as well, and try and familiarise yourself with Westerly's content. I think the same general rule would apply for for most of the lit mags across the country. Mm. That what we want is content that speaks to our ethos, content that our readers will respond to, um, and works that uh, will be in conversation with, I guess both the legacy and the current directions and dimensions of the publication, uh, which I hope, again, doesn't sound too broad, but I guess what, what I'm trying to say is it's really important that people who want to submit work to Westerly know what Westerly values, mm. which is uh, you know, cutting-edge poetry, fiction, creative nonfiction, literary works that manage to speak to the currents of our current moment. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing that advice. Uh, Both Westerly 66.2 and the special issue are available on the Westerly website. Uh, Westerly 66.2 is available for purchase and the special issue is available to access for free of charge. Uh, The Westerly website is westerlymag.com.au and I would really encourage listeners to check out these two issues um, and especially, as Daniel says, um, it's great to sort of see if you're thinking about submitting um, what Westerly has published in the past as well as, um, you know, checking out these really great writers and poets and artists. Daniel, thank you for taking the time to talk to us through uh, Westerly's latest issues. Thanks so much for having us, Jackie. It's been a pleasure. You're listening to a Triple R podcast. Discover more podcasts from Triple R exploring science, technology, food, books, social issues, politics, and more. To listen, hit up the Triple R website or your favourite podcast platform. My name is Jackie B, filling in on this summer edition of The Glass House. Poem Forest, created in partnership with Red Room Poetry and the Australian Botanic Garden Mount asked young primary and secondary age poets to reflect on their place in nature and to use the power of words to create tangible change. Over five over 5,000 entries were submitted and as a result, more than 5,000 seedlings have been planted in New South Wales. 108 poets were shortlisted for the 2021 Palm Forest Prize and winners were selected by judges Bruce Pascoe, Holly Ringland, Dr Cathy Offord and Solly Raphael. Joining me on the phone is the winner of the Lower Secondary Year 7 to 9 Prize, Shizwani S. from Hopper's Crossing Secondary College. Shizwani's poem is titled Gumtree. Congratulations, Shizwani, on this achievement. How did you feel when you had found out that you had won? 
I was extremely excited. I actually found out on the way home from school, and I just immediately sat, like I sped up and I told all my family members, and yeah, I was just really excited. Um, So before we dive into talking about your award-winning poem, Gumtree, I would like to ask you some questions about your poetry writing more generally. I'm interested in how young poets first get into poetry writing, and I was wondering if you could tell us what first motivated you to uh, to start writing poetry. Um, When I was younger, I think around, like, nine, there was a local poetry competition called the Imagination Creation Competition, and it was just a local thing, and my parents really introduced it to me, and I really enjoyed it, and I've just from there kept reading more poetry and exposing myself to it, and yeah. Mm, That's great to hear. Is there any poets or writers in particular that inspire you? Well, I recently just read Ariel by Sylvia Platt, and that was really amazing. Mm. Um, I really enjoyed that. And there's also an Australian author called Chris Wallace Crabb, and his poetry book was kind of the first one I ever read, and I found it in an up shop, and it was called New and Selected Poems, and I really enjoyed it. Mm. Turning now to the Poem Forest Prize, uh, how did you hear of this competition, and what motivated you to submit your work? I think I found it on a website that promoted writing competitions, free ones, and I just really clicked on it and I saw that it was free and I saw that, you know, they were planting a tree for every poem, so I just really wanted to get involved with that. I thought it was a great cause. Mm. And I have a recording of you reading your poem, um, which I'll play for the listeners now. Hi, my name is Shazwani Saifuddin, and I am going to be saying my poem, Gumtree. I am on the land of the Wadarung people of the Kulin Nation and pay my respects to all elders past, present and future and any First Nations people watching today. There stands the gum tree in the middle of a school in the middle of nowhere, Australia. A koala isn't resting in its branches, chewing nonchalantly on eucalyptus leaves. No, they've been clinging onto life elsewhere ever since the white man came, chewing on his cigar, lungs filled with black smoke and big ego, rifles with grey gunpowder pointed at the gum trees, too primitive, too faded. Peeling bark, skinny trunks, drooping leaves must be shot out of their misery before they kill civilised folk. There stands the gum tree, older than the time invented by ornamental clocks and gold watches that know nothing of the nature of time like the teenagers in the schoolyard who stick their chewing gum within the crannies and crevices of wood that has withstood wars, suffocating history as if it was a legacy to leave behind sugary spit on leaves once used as medicine and to ease pain. But no leaf could ever ease the gum tree's pain when it watched its brothers and sisters slaughtered senselessly, cut for colonial gain. If only the teens sticking their gum on the gum tree saw more than comical iron. If you have just tuned in, you would have heard a recording of Shazwani reading her poem Gumtree, which was the winner of Poem Forest Lower Secondary Prize. So Gumtree is such a powerful and emotive poem that really invokes the senses and touches on themes of environmentalism and colonisation. Can you explain to us what inspired you to write Gumtree? Well, I was really inspired by, there's a gum tree in my neighbor's backyard and also there's a tree in my school that students stick all their gum on it. And at the same time, we had been learning about Australia's history of colonization in history. So I really just combined all those ideas and wanted to talk about how important 
education around it is. Mm. Um, I really love that sort of the imagery that you use in Gumtree and the way that your poem really appeals to the senses. Uh, as I was listening to the recording of you reading your poem, I could see the koala clinging to the tree, sort of smell the smoke of the white man's cigar, hear and smell rifles in their gunpowder and feel the consistency of that sort of sugary spit on the gum trees. Uh, this might be a bit of a big question, but I was wondering how a writing or literary device like imagery can help your audience sort of care and learn more about issues like environmentalism and colonisation. I think it really helps audiences like relate to the poem and I think it's really powerful because poetry is often seen as something that's quite um, pretentious and something that is really not for like everyday people mm. and I think it just makes it a lot more accessible because you know imagery is something that everyone can understand if it's done I think in a good way so yeah. Mm, that's a really great answer thank you. Um, and I really love the final line of your poem, if only the teens sticking their gum on the gum tree saw more than comical irony. If there was one message or lesson that you would like teenagers and adults to walk away with after reading your poem, what would it be? I think it would be to be conscious of the environment and also the people, like the land that we're on, and to constantly be trying to educate ourselves about these kind of issues. Mm. Yeah, that's great. Um, if you have just tuned in, I have been chatting with Shizwani, who is the winner of the Poem Forest Lower Secondary Prize. Thank you so much for joining me on the phone, and I look forward to reading more of your work in the future. Thank you so much. We're almost at the end of this summer edition of The Glass House. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure to be in your company this afternoon. Also, a big thank you to my two guests, Daniel Jux from Westerly Magazine and Shazwani, winner of the Palm Forest Lower Secondary Prize. If you missed these interviews, you can listen back on the Triple R website in an hour's time. The website is rrr.org.au. Keep that dial tuned to Triple R. My name is Jackie B, and you have been listening to this summer edition of The Glass House. This is Beth AQ. Thanks for listening to the podcast of The Glass House, a weekly radio show that airs on Triple R each Wednesday. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch via Twitter at Bethany AQ or the Triple R website.